0: Hello again. This is Heather Bayer with another episode of Vacation Rental Success, where we talk about anything and everything to do with the vacation rental industry. This is episode number fourteen. Well, here we go with another episode of Vacation Rental Success, and today I am delighted to have with me a uh, an author vacation rental owner and the president and founder of the Austin Rental Alliance Joel Rasmussen and I met Joel at the uh, Home Away Summit in Phoenix last May and uh, and we hit it off straight away we we as as I do always with anybody that uh, that is interested just as I am in vacation rentals and and also interested in in sharing information with other people and uh, and Joel has been doing this for a number of years, and the experience he's had with founding the Austin Rental Alliance, which is one of the largest non-profit associations of vacation rental owners in the in North America, uh, has really given him a mass of knowledge and experience to share on the whole issue of short-term rental uh, rental bans and short-term rental issues that that we're finding that are popping up all over the place we're certainly experiencing it uh, in Ontario last year there were a number of townships and uh, and different regions where um, complaints and problems were arising with with people complaining about vacation rentals in their area and then approaching their their local town councils and and other organizations to make representation to have vacation rentals banned. So so we're dealing with it on a very local level and I'm very interested to hear what Joel has to say about how the this, this issue impacted um, him and his fellow owners in Austin. We'll also be exploring other issues about vacation rentals because uh, uh, Joel is also a vacation rental owner and he's written a book called... Interestingly enough, Vacation Rental Success. and it, it wasn't until I got to Phoenix and went to the uh, the summit that I realized that Joel uh, had a book with exactly the same title as the podcast, which, uh, which is no bad thing. We're all here in the same business and we're all here talking about success in the vacation rental industry. So we're going to be talking about about his book, and how helpful it is to uh, first time uh, vacation rental owners as well as to those who've been in the business for a while because it's always worthwhile picking up a book on the topic just to get a little bit of, of a reminder about, um, about a number of dish- uh, different issues relating to it. So without further ado, let's get on with the interview. Hi Joel, great to have you with us today.
1: Good to talk to you again, Heather. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah, it's been uh, it's been quite a long time since uh, I think way back May last year at the HomeAway Summit we first met. And uh, yes, I I actually you know I go into these conferences, and so often you walk into these things, and there's this great sea of people. And you don't know a soul, and it can be a little bit disconcerting. But I do remember walking into the uh, into the summit, into the room, and you were sitting against you were sit- sitting on a bench against the wall. And I was walked down, and you just said, "Hi, are you Heather?" And and that was absolutely <laughs> great. I thought fantastic recognition. Am I am I that recognisable? <laughs> but it it was it was a really good welcome, and and uh, and that's how we met, wasn't it?
1: It was, and you needed a bigger room. Your uh, uh, the power of wow, I think, was the the title of your talk, and there was absolutely not a not a spot free in the room. So next time they'll know to, to give you a much bigger space.
0: Oh well, thank you. Yes, I did notice the people were sitting on the floor at the front, and uh, yeah, that that is always great because um, I mean you do these presentations as well. You know what it's like. You think, oh, no one's going to come. <laughs>
1: Strangely enough, my, my topic that I get called to speak about a lot is regulations and those that's, that is probably the least sexy topic. And yet it is typically one of the most attended because if, if regulation is a concern for you, then you're not there for fluff and flowers. People are, are very intent on, on getting that information. So, you know, it's, it's not the sexiest topic by far, but we've never had a problem filling a room for that, that one in particular.
0: Yeah absolutely and we're going to be moving on to talking about uh, the whole issue of regulations uh, as as we go through this uh, this uh, podcast but let me start off with asking you how how did you actually get into the business of vacation rentals in the first place
1: Yeah, it's a great story. It's it combines our two big loves real estate and travel. And my wife and I have been buying ugly properties and making them pretty for as almost as long as we've been together for 20 years and far longer than there have been network, you know, network shows about flipping houses. And I guess the sad part for us was always—I mean, it wasn't sad. You get used to it. But we'd we'd put all of our heart and soul into these properties and make them beautiful, and then we just didn't have the money to to hold on to all of them. So we would typically fix it and sell it, and then a good friend of ours. Uh, who had been facing kind of some financial trouble, discovered that he could rent out his a, a part of his property as a vacation rental. And he called me one day, he was really excited. He said, man, you, gotta, you need to try this because we at that point had a cute little cottage that was just a block from our house and it's in an area of of Austin, Texas where we live that is just, it's just very popular. And so we looked at what he was doing, it made a lot of sense and we tried it out and we just we fell in love with the business because it was I mean the the financial piece of it is certainly great. We made probably three times the revenue as a short-term rental versus when we had long-term tenants. But I think what was most interesting, rewarding and continues to be to this very day is the people that we meet, we get to host the most interesting, wonderful, quirky, fantastic guests from around the U.S. and around the world, and that's the part that that continues to have me excited about this business every day.
0: Well, I think this is uh, we're moving into an era of um, of of hospitality. I, I I guess going back to to my experience in Ontario with uh, with rentals going back to the last twenty years or so that uh, that owners would rent out their properties and it was simply a matter of, you know, it was income generation. People would come in, they would use them and off they'd go and they would not have any contact with them whatsoever. But things things have changed so much in the past couple of years or the past 10 years or so and now we as owners have to have a, a good philosophy of hospitality and understand that we, we aren't just aren't just renting out the properties, we are welcoming members of the traveling public and uh, and you've clearly got that philosophy of hospitality um how does it uh, pan out with your guests how did what what does it mean to them?
1: Well first of all, I couldn't agree more i I think that once in in our experience just speaking for my wife and I once we experience traveling in vacation rentals and having experience especially you know the the my favorite rentals so far, really has less to do with the property. It was fine, it was cute, it was quirky, um, but it was in Vancouver and the owner lived right next door. And he was just such a part of why that trip was so, you know, fun and memorable for us um, that that we try to bring that into all of our rental experiences as much as we possibly can. at this point now, we have 10 properties that we own and manage. Um, they're all very close by, so we try to, as much as possible, meet every guest. Um, but it, it is, uh, you know, logistically, it. there are times when someone will show up, they rent the property, and they leave before we get a chance to interact with them on a personal basis. But I think we have, I hope we've done as Good a job as we can of, of still being there, you know, being a, a, a host and an advocate and the most enthusiastic cheerleader for our neighborhood and for Austin that we can. And the way that that shows up for them is in our email communications before they arrive. It's in the guest book that lists, you know, in, in great detail, all of our favorite restaurants and bars and music venues. And, you know, where do you get groceries? Where do you get your laundry done? We've really tried to be as present as possible, even when we can't show up and, and shake their hand. But the most important, the most rewarding piece of this is when we do get to meet those guests. And so just as a, you know, a coincidental anecdote, this evening, we're going out with um, these four absolutely lovely folks who are down here visiting us from Minnesota. This is their third year in a row that they've come and stayed with us, and they've turned into really great friends. And in fact, we're meeting, we're not only meeting them, we're meeting another couple that stayed with us We've grown to, you know, they're now two of our closest friends and they had such a great time staying with us that they moved to Austin. So it really has been about the connections for us. And we won't get the chance to connect with everyone, but we try as much as possible to build into our experience that connection of having somebody who is your inside guide to the local experience.
0: You make a great point there about uh, about being an inside guide. That's what is making vacation rentals so popular that uh, that allows people to live so much more like a local than than not that they're not having the first contact being the uh, um the bellhop in the hotel or the receptionist or or the the concierge who's really not caring hugely about What you do and where you go, he's just handing out a few leaflets.
1: I think that's one of the secrets. You know, there are there are a lot of details about how to do this business right and things that you need to think about. But if it really, if you're trying to put your finger on what's going to make you successful and stand out from the the crowd of other vacation rentals, uh, Matt, Landa, and I have kind of joked about this. We don't recall which one of us coined the term, uh, but we talk about being a vicarious local and creating the experience of a vicarious local. And the more that you can and curate the experiences that make your area unique and, or, you know, just interesting and fun. The, the new little restaurant that opened up or the coffee shop, or just having a special deal with a, a massage therapist so that your guests can come and get a massage and get the, you know, manicure, pedicure, or, or get, you know, whatever it is that makes the experience that, that they're going to have in your property fun and interesting and local is going to endear you to them and make your property stand out
0: yeah i was looking at a at a blog post that uh, that somebody had uh, posted on matt's site and and it was it was somebody who who reads his blog a lot and then had turned up and uh, gone to panama city to st- actually to stay at his place and was describing um, matt's philosophy of hospitality and uh, and it seems like you know you definitely both have, have that same that same take on, on what it what it takes to to be a host
1: I, when, you know, we, I know you've interviewed Matt, uh, Matt is, is, uh, one of the people in this kind of Guru business that I think people should pay attention to. And and he and I do agree on a lot of these things. Um, But I think that is probably where we have the most uh, agreement is this really is about creating experiences. And the more that you can bring somebody into your inner circle and make them feel like they're they're getting something that isn't uh, a carbon copy experience, they're not going to, you know, another best western. They're gonna come and stay at Heather's Cottage and they're gonna get Heather's special unique inside introduction to that community that is what's going to keep people coming back again and again and it's what they're going to tell all of their friends about
0: yeah i i, I can't agree more i'm going to to backtrack a little bit um now um in, at the outset of the interview we talked about um um the short-term rental issues um very briefly that that was something you encountered way back when when you started out and when i'm when i was looking through your book it was it was very clear that that was almost a stopping point for you, and I just wondered if we can explore that a little bit. Um, when I in in the introduction, I uh, I mentioned that you were the president and the founder of the Austin Rental Alliance. So, a uh, little bit of background on how that all happened um, would be it would be great.
1: It's fun to look back now and and you know just sort of uh, dissect that and and. Um, th- you know, with with, um, a lot of gratitude, look at what could have happened. But there was a very real point where uh, if we hadn't organized in the way that we did if we hadn't uh, mounted a pretty significant civic effort to change the conversation, change the direction that our city hall was going, the practice of renting for less than 30 days would have been banned in Austin. Um, and there are places where it has been banned. Portland in the United States, uh, I believe New York has a ban. Paris in, the UK, or in, the, in Europe has a ban. And, you know, I think it's important as people are are having this conversation or if there are, you know, if if you're renting in a place where people are suddenly starting to have concerns about rentals, it can become very real very quickly. And I think the biggest mistake that we made was not taking the threat seriously. Um so the the Austin Rental Alliance grew out of what was already a, a group of individuals. We had sort of an ad hoc um, group of owners that had coalesced really around kind of best practices. We had a Yahoo group and we would share I, you know ideas questions hey how does how does somebody you know go about writing a contract who are you using for cleaners those sorts of practical uh, pragmatic concerns around a business but at some point someone posted something from one of the local um, news groups about you know, a neighbor was very upset about a property that was being used as a party house and from what I've discerned from talking to other people that are having issues with regulations it almost inevitably, starts with a, a problem property, like a party house. And we, as a group, we got involved in and found out who the owner of the property was. It turned out the owner had rented and the tenant was subletting without the owner's uh, permission. So we were able to to intervene and get that situation taken care of. But then other situations popped up. And so because of less than a handful, probably about eight problem properties in a city of, of about 800,000 people, there was enough upset that a group of, of people who understood city politics and were very involved were able to start this conversation and get us headed towards that, you know, that ban when that happens the best thing that you can possibly do is get organized find other people who are doing the same thing and then get yourself uh, familiarized with your civic process and that was something that that really none of us had done so we had a a crash course in learning who our our city council representatives were getting to understand the planning and zoning commission um, understanding how this whole thing was evolving so that we could get involved Make our side of the conversation heard and ultimately turn turn things around.
0: It sounds like y- you were able to tackle this this first one fairly easily because this person was subletting. Um, and I'm interested in this because we this this is something that crops up in in our um, province a lot. We have these issues popping up in a in a dozen different areas, and it's almost it's it's like that um, you know that like fairground game that once you push something down, something else pops up. Um, <laughs> And and usually they do start with with some neighbor saying, you know, the guy next door to me is is renting to bunches of kids every week. It's indiscriminate. He doesn't care who comes in, and it's a very very valid complaint. And then another couple of neighbors will, will come up and say, oh yeah, we 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 had a group next door to us last week, and um they were partying till two o'clock in the morning, and we had to call the police. And and these things ju- just escalate but what what happens if if there is i mean obviously you're regulated now so you would probably be able to let's say put away a rogue owner fairly quickly but uh, what would you suggest somebody does when they are renting very legitimately and they have a, a, a local owner who who isn't as uh, as discriminatory as as they are and, and rents to absolutely everyone, and doesn't seem to care about the quality of the guests that are coming in.
1: Yeah, well, there are going to be power. Uh, there's going to be power in numbers, and so my first piece of advice always to anyone in the vacation rental business is join a local group of owners, or if there isn't already a group of owners, then start one. And not just because of the regulatory issue. Um, you know, the the most uh, powerful and rewarding. Piece of the Austin rental lines, initially, you know, getting <laughs> preventing ourselves from being banned and, and protecting our our business rights was that was key. However, at this point. The the camaraderie, the business acumen, the the problem solving, the you know, and and some of the things you wouldn't even expect. One of our members' um, husband ended up uh, with a very serious diagnosis, and he was in the hospital for several weeks. Well, our group organized a calendar and delivered food to them so that she could concentrate on on helping her husband out. So there are all, you know there are all sorts of of maybe unintended but really wonderful benefits to joining a group of owners. But I think the real one is power in numbers, and so. Because we already had this group, even before it was formalized as the Rental Alliance, we, because we had this group of owners, we were able to be paying attention to multiple network, uh, multiple neighborhood groups at at the same time. And then, as soon as a problem was identified, we were able to step in and and take care of it. If there is no formal regulation in your area, if you have a group of people that you're involved with, at least you would then be able to say to that that owner, "Look." if you want to be able to keep renting your property out like this, you can't be an irresponsible neighbor because eventually and inevitably, inevitably, if you're pissing off your neighbors, then at some point someone's going to come in and they're going to pass a law to make it, you know, you're going to ruin the party for everyone. And I, it's, you're absolutely correct. It is a very, very valid complaint. I've talked with a lot of the neighbors that have lived next to these party houses and I would be furious, you know, garbage in the streets and people urinating in the, you know, on cars at three o'clock in the morning. It, it can be a bad scene. And the internet is such a double edged sword because it, it makes this practice possible in ways that weren't before, because people can so easily find the properties now and rent them. And if you happen to own a, a property that you can rent short term, the profit can be substantially higher than renting long term. But it also means that if you're a bad neighbor, the people that you're affecting can find other people who have had similar bad experiences so much easier and they can organize very easily. And that was what we faced with this coalition of people that were against short-term rentals. It honestly, it was only about a dozen people that drove that whole issue to the point that we almost took the property rights away from a million people because 12 people were upset, but they, they were connected and they understood city politics and they were able to move very effectively. So joining a group, is probably the single most important thing you could do, no matter whether you're facing regulations or not.
0: Yes, I've um, been uh, been looking at the uh, the short term rental advocacy site recently, and uh, and there's a lot of good information on there on on how to organize, how to how to get people together, and I'll be putting a link to that on the show notes, um, because uh, because you're absolutely right. Without power in numbers uh you really are the lone voice in the wilderness and as i say we've it's not going away it's not going away anywhere and <laughs> and it's impacting a lot of things i mean we were we'd been looking at buying property in sedona um several years ago and they instigated a 30-day ban and and that was it we decided not to buy in sedona so so there is that there's such a, a much wider impact than the impact directly to uh, to current rental owners, there's impact on the, on the real estate market, and uh, you know it has a lot wider implication. But in in that area, of course, it was uh, the, the the group against rental was predominantly led by hotel and resort owners, and that's what a lot of people are facing.
1: And we haven't seen that yet in our area, but I know that that is uh, that's happening in other places. And I think the more that well, Fromers is is uh, estimating that by the end of twenty fourteen, up to thirty percent of domestic travel in North America is going to be with vacation rentals as the lodging option. And that's just a staggering number, considering that we were at less than five percent just a couple of years ago. So I think and again, it all comes down to this experience. Once you have experienced a vacation rental for a lot of people, that very authentic experience is so rewarding. And there's just so much going for it with, you know, you've got your own kitchen and laundry, and it's a private space where you're not interrupted by other people all the time. It's a really wonderful travel experience. And but that also means that the more people are, that are doing it, the more it's going to be affecting other industries. And I would expect that that we're going to come into more conflict with the hotel industry in the near future.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's and that's definitely what's happening here. We we are, we are seeing a a real downturn in the uh, in, in the traditional cottage resort market. Uh, that that was where everybody went. They went to these tiny little cabins uh, on lakes, which were very minimally furnished. Um, they call them um in quotes housekeeping cottages which really meant there was none <laughs>
1: <laughs> that you were doing the housekeeping
0: absolutely yes yeah there, there was no housekeeping but uh, but yes and they they've seen a huge downturn over the last couple of years in take up of of their accommodation and of course blaming it putting putting the blame squarely on the private rentals that are available not really thinking it through and the fact that people who go to a private cottage rental are going to it for just that it is private and they don't have to share facilities they don't have to share watercraft or a beach or or other things they they have their own place to themselves but you know it's it, it's the private rental operators are a good target because they're individuals and up to now certainly up here they haven't uh, they haven't created a coalition or or any force to fight it so so really interesting um Joel that um that you have this experience um And probably a good thing, I guess. Do you think?
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, it wasn't fun at the time, uh, but I certainly know more about how local government politics works than I ever imagined I would. And really, the the relationships that have come out of that, the people that I've met have made that such a worthwhile experience. So I, I wouldn't change a thing.
0: So, so thinking on that, when, uh, when people are thinking about buying a, voc- um, a vacation rental home, and, uh, and this was something I was really interested about uh, reading in your book because there was a ton of information on what people should be doing and researching before they, they buy. What do you consider the, are, are the most important issues for anyone thinking about buying a home that they are going to um, you know, create some income from rental?
1: Sure. Well, the the very first one will be no surprise. It's true for anything related to real estate. And that, of course, is location. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean location in the way that I think a lot of people might expect. Vacation... Rental is is a slightly misleading term, I think, and it's one that we're, unfortunately, I think we're stuck with as an industry. But we know from our rental alliance, so we're in in Austin, Texas, uh, most of our owners are right in a downtown urban area. Um, so our, our inquiries and our numbers are going to be different than someone who is in a, you know, a beachfront location or in the mountains. But what we found is that more than 40% of our rentals are not on vacation. They're needing furnished housing for completely different reasons. They might be coming here for a job interview. It might be, we actually have a lot of people who are neighbors who live in the neighborhood and they either, they need extra room for relatives who are coming to stay for the holidays, or they may need a place to stay because they're remodeling their kitchen for two weeks. So I think in, in terms of looking at a local market, location is important, but you know, proximity to Disneyland isn't necessarily the first component. It is, it is just one of the things to consider. But hand-in-hand hand with location is going to be your competition. And it's just so easy now with all of these different listing sites to be able to do your, your due diligence very quickly and very inexpensive. In fact, most of it's free, that's where I have people start. So if you want to buy property near where you live, the advantage there is that you can be very close to it. You can take better care than if you're relying on someone, uh, someone far away. Um, If you want to purchase something because you're interested in in that area, you know, you want to have a a cottage on the beach and be able to use it. And when you're not there, you can rent it out and and cover some most or even all of the mortgage. Um, Whatever the location is, the first step would be to get onto one of the listing sites and look at at how many other listings are around you and not just how many, but how many comparable listings. So you can, you can sort by, I want to know all of the three bedroom, two bath, standalone single family homes within three miles of, you know, these coordinates. And then you can look at what are they charging for their, their nightly rate. And you can take a look at their calendar and get a pretty good idea of how booked they are. And so it's just, it's so easy to do the due diligence now that I think that's what one of the things that makes this business very attractive for people thinking about getting into it. But it's, it's critical that you do that due diligence. Look at the market, find out how many other properties are there. You don't necessarily want to be the first one in your area. In fact, I think that's probably not a great situation. You don't want to be And now the other end of that spectrum is, is my market, which has become very, very saturated. Um, And that gets a little, you know, you really have to have sharp elbows and and be ready to compete in that situation. But some sort of happy medium where you have a market, there's clearly uh, an interest there. People have properties up on the listing sites. They have calendars that have decent bookings. And then you can see everything that they're offering and kind of start to carve out what your competitive advantage would be. That's where I have people start.
0: Yeah, what about uh, target market? Because you were talking about all the different types of people that are staying in your place. now that, thats that, I hadn't thought about that. We—we we occasionally get this. You know, somebody's having a home renovated, so they want somewhere to go for a couple of weeks, but uh, but it's it's not common. But I guess in a, in a city type environment, you do have a much wider target market than the traditional vacation uh, sector.
1: Definitely, and that. Maybe an area where there's there is some more uh, sleuthing required. If it's an area like Austin, you can look at at the local economy and see that you know we have the the state capital here, so there is legislative business. We have a pretty big tech sector, so there's a lot of um, business that's coming in for for that piece. Uh, we do have the university, so we always have big peaks around graduation and in the fall when kids or when people are coming to help their kids get into school. August is a, a really big month for us for that kind of travel. Um, So moving beyond just the basic research of looking through HomeAway, Airbnb, if you start to look at what are the drivers in your economy, you can get a better idea of who your target market might be. There's an area in North Austin that that doesn't have a lot of vacation rentals right now. And if I was going to put money anywhere in this market, I would be going there because there's a huge medical school that is just now being built. And the traffic that's going to be coming to that medical school for those, you know, for the, the relatively speaking, the undervalued properties immediately adjacent to there, there's going to be an enormous opportunity for furnished rentals that are close to that medical facility. So, again, vacation rental is, is a when you're thinking about it in terms of investment can be a slightly misleading term. And I think if you, if you think more in terms of just furnished rental and start to ask yourself who needs a furnished rental, you'll have a much better perspective on who your target market might be.
0: I never really thought about buying in a, in a city. I'm not that much of a city person. Um, But, uh, but that definitely uh, sort of opens my eyes a little bit on looking at it in, in a much wider way. We tend to have a bit of a, bit of a narrow focus
1: uh, well, yeah, I will say one of the things that that cities really have going for you know, most urban environments have going for them is they they can be a, a much longer rental season than some, an area that is specifically vacation oriented. Um, you know, I, some of the other people that, that are in our business that I talk to quite a bit, their biggest challenge is trying to extend their their season. Austin is a 12 month season. Mm-hmm. we have there are events and business drivers that have people coming here twelve months out of the year, so we have higher and lower times, but it is definitely a twelve month market and that can really affect you know what your bottom line is going to be
0: uh, yeah that uh, that brings me on to that because it's <laughs> it's something that I'm looking at to you know, very closely at the moment i've I've had seven um properties in in Ontario over the past ten years um down to two at the moment and and thinking about buying the next and we we got to thinking that what are we doing here we have a two month year it's July and August and that's it and then our uh, demographic which is 90% of our demographic comes out of the city of Toronto and on Labour Day they all shuffle back into the city shut the gates and don't come out again till around about May the 24th um, which is our you know it's it's called Victoria Day or the May 2-4 weekend and it has nothing to do with it being anywhere near May the 24th, it's, uh, it's more to do with the fact that um, there are two, 24 in a case of beer. <laughs> <laughs> And that brings everybody out of Toronto for the May beer weekend. And oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> and, then the, and then it opens up again. But really, once the kids come out of school in July, we have a very focused July-August. And, and a well-presented property will have absolutely no problem in renting for the 10 weeks of the high season. But it's a huge struggle in every other month of the year. And I began to think, you know, we, we rent our properties around about 36 weeks of the year, which is amazingly good for our market because we have five months of winter and you know, I I've got I've got people down in my cottage at the moment, and it's four miles down, a rutted, snow covered road, which is in fact more like an ice rink at the moment because we've had more more cold weather and a little bit of rain a few weeks ago, which has uh I mean you could possibly skate in areas of this road and I uh, I mean, these are hardy folks. We have these people there. They 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 replaced another couple that were there last week who love it. But it's very very unusual to get anyone out of the city uh, outside of the summer months. So I began to think, well, this is crazy. Why are we, why are we doing this? We should go somewhere. Well, like Austin, which is a 12 month of the year. Um, it has those opportunities for 12 months of the year. So I've been you know we're looking at maybe San Diego and then the Bahamas and Florida. Uh, just seems a much better
1: option if if I were looking to acquire more property and um you know we're we're good at this point, we're pretty much at our capacity, uh, but I would definitely be looking at at longer markets at as much as possible a twelve month market um, because you would just have that much more opportunity to return on that investment.
0: Yeah, it's not. It's not only that, but the, the upkeep. I mean, we we have we have well, one, yes. one property at the moment where, fortunately, we had have, no, have nobody in there, and the water line froze and has sheared, and the water line. The water comes in from a river. The water line is eight feet underground, and uh, and it's frozen and sheared, and that's it. We've had to shut it down till May because we can't get anybody in there to dig down there until May. So you know, I don't think we need much more of a of a trigger than that to say. Come on, get out of it.
1: <laughs> well, that is a concern that I think misses um, consideration in a lot of the the spreadsheets that are people that people are putting together. Vacation areas tend to have much higher maintenance requirements, and that's true for both cold and warm environments. If you're buying property on the beach, the the additional saltwater issues, you know what those corrosive elements do to all of the mechanical parts of a property, uh, very often get gl- glossed over when you're running your numbers, and as you pointed out, in cold areas there are it, it, there's just so much more um, that's asked of the the property and the equipment that really needs to be part of your calculations. How how often are we going to have to? completely replace XYZ system. The heating system is going to go out, the plumbing is going to freeze or in, in the tropical beach locations, you know, we'll have to completely replace all the, the windows or the weather. You know, there's just, this can be an extremely lucrative business, but it's not get rich quick by any wild stretch, you really have to approach this as a business person, think about it as an investment, very carefully plot out what all of your expenses are going to be, not just the servicing the mortgage, but what, you know, what do you have proper insurance? Do you have licensing issues that you'll need to take care of? And once you have all of those things, and then can start to, again, with the the advanced due diligence that we were talking about, looking at what comparable, comparable properties are renting for, and looking at approximately how many rental nights your competitors are able to get, you can get a very clear picture as long as you're honest with yourself. And if you do it right, it can be wildly lucrative. One of our properties that we purchased here when we bought it was renting for $900 a month. And now in this 12 month market as a furnished rental can average anywhere from $4,000 to $6,000 a month. That's you know, that's phenomenal in terms of, of real estate investment and, and being able to leverage the money that you're putting into a property. But it's, you know, not every property is gonna do that. And we are extremely aggressive in our marketing. We are very, very hands-on with our guests. We do a tremendous amount of outreach to past guests and cultivating relationships and, and we you know, we are as Full time and and professional as you can be, I think as far as running a vacation rental or a furnished rental property. So if you do all those things, the rewards are there. But it is definitely not. I just i i have to emphasize over and over again that there's nothing about this that is get rich because I, I see a lot of people coming into this with kind of you know rainbows in their eyes about all the money they're going to make. And there's certainly a lot of potential pitfalls. And if you if you miscalculate or if you miss some of the important things like maintenance costs and frozen pipes um, it's possible to go sideways pretty quickly.
0: Yeah. When I I go back to 2003, when I wrote my, when I, the first edition of my book, renting for profit came out. Um, and I put that title on it because at that time, uh, we were able to make very small profit on it. Um, but things have changed. Things have changed dramatically over the last few years. I mean, we, we paid $125,000 one hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars for that property back in ninety. One of those properties back in in nineteen ninety-nine, and and we got eighteen hundred dollars a week for it when we sold it in two thousand and five, I think, and sold it for twice what we paid for it. And the say and the people who bought it started to rent it. They were still getting eighteen hundred dollars a week for it there was you know there wasn't the same incremental increase in rental rates as there was in the price uh, in the price of property and this this continues to be the the, the state that uh, that the rental rates aren't rising in in that same way so it's it's not mean to me um i couldn't write that uh, i couldn't put that same title on the book anymore renting for profit unless it's you know it's it's a, an emotional profit
1: yes and and i think there are you know, I wouldn't I won't invest in Austin right now. Austin has the the acquisition prices have just gone sky high to the point that the numbers don't make sense now. So we're not in the market in in our neighborhood um, and barring some, you know, I, I don't see us acquiring any more property here unless there's some sort of crazy downturn. Um, but the formula works in other areas where the the base price of the real estate hasn't gotten so astronomical. So for you know if we were making a purchase right now we would be looking at other areas around here that that have lower base price costs but have similar travel and rental patterns.
0: So so what you're saying it, it all comes down to absolute solid research. I've heard from my guests sometimes at my properties, wow, this is this is great, you know, I I think we could do this you're getting so much a week for, for, for this property and and what what do you really do and and you're right in the uh, in in looking at all the ancillary costs again just going back onto our consideration of, of buying something in the bahamas i was blown away by the uh, costs of electricity and also because it's in a hurricane area and the the cost of insurance and it's not something that people tend to take into account if if they're just on vacation and go this, this is great. I could do this.
1: Yep. I, and I don't want to be the voice of discouragement. Um, but I do want to be the voice of, of, uh, pragmatism. And I've, (laughs) there have been more than one incident recently where I've been in Home Depot buying something for, you know, a repair for a a property. And I bump into people that I know are, you know, they have a lot of rental property and I'm going to use the term slumlord. And I think it's not too far off Um, you know, they, they have tons of property. They don't really, they, they keep it at just a bare minimum, you know, viability and have people in there. And it's usually, you know, college students and people that aren't making a whole lot of money. And that's, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. If that's your business model, people have been doing that for years and years. But when I hear these guys in there telling me that they're going to VRBO their rental property, I just shake my head. There's, there's no traveler in the world that would walk into that property and wouldn't immediately walk out and demand a refund. So the, the model is there, it's viable, you have to do your research, you have to understand that you're competing in a global hospitality market, and your property has to stand up and outshine every other property around there if you wanna be winning the majority of the travel business that's coming into your area. And so the sort of the ignorance of, of what's involved is probably the first major mistake that I see people making.
0: Yeah, I'll go along with that, and you know that's exactly that's exactly what I did way back in 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 the nineties. Came out to Canada on vacation, uh, sat in sat in in this place, and said we should do this, and went to the realtor the following day, and almost made a huge mistake uh, at the first go. But uh, yeah, I I learned, and I, I I hope that people will sort of listen to to the things that you're saying and and learn from it that uh, that that's a little bit more to it than that. A little nice pie in the sky dream of uh, of owning your own vacation home, going there whenever you want to, and uh, and reaping the uh, the rewards because those rewards are pretty hard to come by if you don't do it properly.
1: I mean, it's a great dream and it can be a great reality. There's just a lot. There's you know work and some smart decisions and some some real hard analysis that has to go into it if you're going to be successful.
0: Yeah, and there's great advice in your book that uh, that will take people from. From uh, from really and and you you say it in the little byline from start to first start to profit so uh, I'm encouraging people to go out and and get that and uh, anyone who's thinking of of buying a property um, Joel you regularly you mentioned you regularly stay in vacation rentals and love them yeah me too I wouldn't think of doing anything else and and I think you are much like me you probably learn something from every single place you go to.
1: Oh, we, we're horrible. We steal ideas left and right. I mean, we we'll, we'll just go through, oh, that's great. We just, we're taking notes and taking photos. Um, we absolutely love traveling and vacation rentals. And we learn something every single time. You know, we've been doing this for a long time. We've had thousands and thousands of guests. And yet we still haven't thought of everything, not by a long, long stretch. And so part of our reward for what we do is getting, you know, pick up the family, pack up and and go off to Panama or Costa Rica or the South of France and go experience another vacation rental and just take lots and lots of notes and talk to the owner and, you know, find out what, what they've done, what mistakes have they made, what's working. Um, we're just, I, I'm, I'm constantly voraciously looking for more information about this business. I love this business.
0: Yeah, me too. Your passion shines through, and 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 definitely equals mine. Um, so, how important do you think it is for owners to have this experience of being a guest?
1: I think it's pretty critical. You know, I I have met a few owners who don't travel much themselves, um, and and we've met some really lovely uh, folks who are maybe getting on in years, and and so they're their income and their joy and and everything is that they have this property that they host people. And so it's certainly possible, but if you can travel, if you like to travel, um, I would encourage people in the strongest terms possible to go out and stay in other rentals and, and just do take notes, talk to the owner, talk to the housekeeper, talk to anybody you can related to that property because it's the best way that I'm aware of to learn everything you can about the business.
0: We were at a vacation rental back in February, and and I've been in the business like you for a long, long time, and and came back again. You know, a notepad full of stuff, and immediately went to work making some changes. And it just seems every time there is that there is always, always, always something to learn. And I've always encouraged um, owners, particularly those, you know, my agency. I, I probably meet fifty or sixty. Uh, potential new owners every year. And one of the first questions I ask of them is, have you ever stayed in a vacation rental yourself? And the ones that have always seem that they're able to start out um with with great standards in mind they've got a philosophy of hospitality because you know obviously if they if they've experienced that not everybody has been to a vacation rental and experienced that hospitality but if they have they tend to bring it along with them and apply what they've learned so i would always suggest that uh, you know if you're going to go into the business don't go into it blind without actually seeing it from the way that uh, that your guests will experience it
1: Absolutely. And I think the, the big danger, once you've been doing this for a while, is to get stuck in a rut, to get sort of ossified in, into whatever your current procedures are and, and how you have things arranged. And we always find when we come back from visiting another rental that we're suddenly very fired up again and, and full of passion to, to you know, go in and just kind of look at our business with fresh eyes.
0: It, well, it's just the business we're in. It's fun. It's exciting and uh, and i don't think either of us would want to, <laughs> would want to get out of it at all and do anything I, else
1: i couldn't do anything else yeah. no i mean come on i get to i get to travel around the world meet fantastic people sit on a, ba- a beach and and write it off because i'm working it's it's a great business
0: <laughs> yeah me too wouldn't do another thing joel it's been an absolute delight to talk to you um i've uh, you know i'd say have i've been in the business for over 20 years too i wrote my own book I picked up your book at the summit, read it, and I picked up a lot of interesting stuff. So, uh, so when's this? This was volume one. When this was volume.
1: It says was volume, volume one
0: from start to profit. When's volume two coming out?
1: Volume two is in the works right now. Volume two has has required a lot of me, uh, a lot of visiting beaches and going skiing in the Rockies and you know doing research <laughs> as I as I was explaining. Uh, but no, I, I thank you for the kind words first of all. Um, and again, we we met at summit last year and I walked away incredibly inspired by your. Very obvious depth of knowledge about the business. You've been doing this longer than I think anyone I know. Um, so it was it was wonderful to meet you and, and be exposed to everything that you've, you know, this huge wealth of of knowledge that you've acquired. This book was really the result of my work with the 300 or so owners in Austin, and for the past five years, I have been speaking it at, at the Homeway Summit and other summits around the world, talking to rental uh, rental owners around the world and getting started has always been a big challenge. And so this first volume was intended to be just that there's, there's not a lot of fluff. It's just very, uh, sort of succinct and to the point, everything that you need to understand and consider to, to buy a vacation rental and get up and running in your first year. And, and at the end of that first year, be profitable. So volume two will go into a lot of the things that I think you and I, and, and our associates like Matt Lando and others find very exciting, which is the, you know, once you have one property that's successful, how do you expand? How do you start to increase your conversions? How do you increase your, your booking rate? Rates. And so that is currently in the works and I expect it to be done probably by the end of this year, a little, little more time and there it'll probably be a thicker volume, but that'll be up on Amazon, um, probably sometime later the year. And then I have taken this first one and I'm creating a, that I'm just announcing with you and, and with another, uh, call I'm doing later today. Um, and it will be a much more in-depth course that's all about getting started. So For anyone that's interested in in finding out more about that, my website is joelrasmussen.com. And if you go to joelrasmussen.com forward slash fast start, there's information about that course. So those are kind of the two things that I've got going on. And I look forward to, well, look forward to seeing you at at more events. And I look forward to meeting more owners and hearing your wonderful stories.
0: That's great. Thank you. I shall make sure I've got uh, links to to your site uh, on the show notes. And um, look forward to meeting you again soon, Joel. Thank you so much.
1: Heather, it was an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much.
0: Well, that was great. I hope you got as much out of it as I did. Uh, I always learn an awful lot when I'm talking to Joel. He's got so much great information to share. So uh, so if you have a moment, go and head over to his website and, uh, and take a look at the book and the new course that he's got to offer. That sounds really exciting. So if you're thinking about buying a property and starting out, then this may be the, a good place for you to start. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode of Vacation Rental Success. Once again, I've had a great time, great conversation, great information. And there's always lots to learn from the people that I'm interviewing. And I've got a lot of people lined up over the next few weeks. So please think about, if you haven't already, to, um, subscribe, to e- uh, subscribe to iTunes and have the episodes delivered straight to your inbox. I spend a lot of time out walking the dog and exercising, whatever, listening to podcasts. So uh, why not try it out? Subscribe, take the dog for a walk, listen to the interviews. I've had a great time with you here today and look forward to being with you again very, very soon.